Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Barry Feeker, Executive Director of the Topeka Rescue Mission. You're listening to Our Community, Our Mission here on August the 18th, uh, which is Tuesday. Um, we did something a little different uh, from uh, what we normally do. Uh, we had a special guest with us last week uh, telling a story that I felt like we didn't have time to end it right then. And so I have asked um, my friend uh, that's been my friend for many years um, to come back and share the rest of his story today, or at least part of the rest of his story uh, with me, Frank Votaw. Thank you, Frank, for coming back uh, to our community, our mission. Well, that's a privilege. Thank you. And also, I need to say happy birthday to you, um, and we won't say how old you are, even though you're very proud of it, but we're the same age, so don't tell anybody how old you are today, because now we're the same age. Actually, I'm a little bit older than you, Frank, because I actually turned this this age uh, before you did. But anyway, it's going to kind of uh, unpack it. Uh, Frank, you shared with us um, about the involvement that you have with the ABATE of Kansas District 4, which is a motorcycle uh, brotherhood that uh, rides together. Um, serves together. You were recently at the rescue mission with some of the team, uh, some of the brotherhood to help us uh, here at the mission, which you have been doing every year for 29 years, something yep. like that. Um, and uh, and again, you and I did go to high school together, but let's go ahead and jump right into it. Frank, you um, not only told us about what you're doing today, but you unpacked a story that I remembered back when I was a kid, because um, we were at Topeka West High School together, where you, um, for the first 16 years of your life, uh, lived in a normal home, um, and uh, your dad was a veteran of World War II and Korea, had been a prisoner of war at one time, and had a flashback. Um, and uh, unbeknownst to you, one day he pulled out a gun and shot and killed your mother, shot your brother, and uh, temporarily paralyzed him, and uh, you had to stop your dad, and you ended up having to shoot your father. Um, and, um, wow. Um, and then life took a spiral downward from that point forward. Talk a little bit more about that spiral downward, (coughs) what that did to you during that time. What did it feel like? Well, uh, it was just, like I said, it was just a time of very little hope. I didn't, uh, uh, no one, you know what's right and wrong, but you continue to do stuff that's wrong because of the alcohol and drugs involved. And uh, uh, there was even, I'll tell you, there's one incident where I was uh, used to drive a fuel tanker for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I unfortunately uh, got up one day and was still drunk from the night before. And uh, boss told me, I said, I told called the boss, told him I was sick. He said, well, you have to go. I don't have nobody that can do the run. So I went ahead and went out anyway, even though I was in no shape to be driving. And uh, was coming up on 29th and Burlingame Road and not paying attention. And the light turned to where it was going to be red, and I... Uh, tried to go around the corner, and literally the gasoline tanker that was on the back broke off of the truck, oh my rolled over in the middle of Burlingame Road, and put 4,000 gallons of gas down Shunga Creek. And so that tells you how low that, that's about. I could have killed somebody. Yeah. In fact, uh, there was a lady that was at the stoplight that uh, 
uh, actually because of what the news and stuff, because, of course, I lied about what happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, this lady called me on it. She found out who I was and told me that if I didn't come forward and tell the truth, that she would. So I did. Lot fired, lost my job. So, again, the spiraling continued. And uh, it's just, uh, it's something that I can tell you, it doesn't work. The drugs and alcohol do not work. I mean, you might forget about things temporarily, but you, nine times or 99 times out of 100, when you wake up the next day, it's going to be worse than it was. So you, um, you, 1973 is when this occurred yes. um, at, in your home. And uh, immediately your mother was gone um, from this world. Um, your dad was then taken off into uh, medical treatment and, and eventually admitted into a mental hospital. Um, your family's broken up. Fortunately, there were some uh, Christians uh, Amen from uh, uh, Corvera Heights. Uh, not Corvera Heights, but uh, what was the church? Again? Corvera Heights. Corvera Heights, okay, that took yes. you in. And uh, But yet um, normal reaction would be hurt and pain and suffering and um, trying to address that. And, and you um, had shared with us earlier that you had kind of stayed in this kind of hopeless despair, spiraling downward, totally understandable um, until about 1992. And uh, that's when you met these guys who were riding motorcycles, huh? Yep. yep. And, I uh, uh, actually had met them year before. And uh, actually it was in uh, the early 80s. <clears throat> that I actually got involved with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was Steve Oliver, the one I told you that we started uh, the Brotherhood for. But uh, that was just the first step that God gave me to bring closure to something that had haunted me for years. And I must say, and I, I know there's a lot of people that understand this, most of the pain that I had during that 17 or 18 years was self-inflicted. It was of my own doing. I knew better, but I just just continued to do it, just to try to forget. Well, then in 1984, my daughter was born, and that was... Uh, See you smiling right now. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, that's something that gave me some hope. It gave me a flicker of hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this uh, song called Tunnel by Third Day, and it talks about this light being at the end of the tunnel. And for all the people that are out there, so, I mean, it's a, I won't pretend to know how you're feeling, and I won't understand your pain, but this is why I'm doing this, is to try to give other people hope. And so there is a light at the tunnel, because I've seen it and I've actually got to it, but uh, raising my daughter, it helped a lot, and uh, stopped drinking, stopped doing drugs, and uh, then in 1992, but we'll see that we're still an empty spot. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't understand why did my dad try to kill me. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad we used to go out the shotgun that I used to shoot him was used to be his. He gave it to me. After he got another one. <clears throat> so I just 
there was just something that was unanswered that I really needed to know. And in 1992, that's when the God put me with the run for the wall. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that's when those combat veterans, they are the ones, like I said, that, that started to, to help me because they would listen and they would talk to me. They didn't judge me. They just were there for me. And that's one thing that's so important that I believe with all my heart that trauma can be uh, taken care of. It's never going to go away. I mean, there's always going to be memories of it. Mm-hmm. But if you take the time to, to talk to somebody, and it's uh, it's another thing that that song says, it says, uh, uh, I don't understand your pains and sorrows, but you should share the weight of that load with me. Mm-hmm. Because the next day, the light will shine on another life to be. So it means just talk to somebody, you know, don't commit suicide, don't continue drinking, just continue to, to do things to improve yourself and try to get out of it. You you give God <clears throat> credit for bringing these guys into your life. Well, there's um, no question about it. Um, a lot of people say, you know, there can't be a God to let those kind of things happen to where you're a normal kid going through life in a normal way, and then all of a sudden everything falls apart in a very, very dramatic way. What do you say when people say there's no God? I say uh, I'm living proof that there is. How so? And Because I just know that I was 16 when that happened. I had no combat training, but as soon as I heard the first shot, I jumped out of the bed immediately and went downstairs and loaded the shotgun. How did I know that? That wasn't instinctive. I was 16, Mm -hmm. you know? And then uh, so many circumstances, like I told you about the the gasoline truck, should have been dead there. Mm -hmm. If I was a cat, let's just say my nine lives would have been gone (laughs) a long time ago, you know? And, And I just believe that if you just listen, then God will talk to you, and that's what he does. So you, you've been spared, um, numerous different situations in your life, but you had a, you had a a darkness that was about you for many years, uh, which is, I get that. Um, I think a lot of people understand that. How did you come up out of that? Yes. Uh, talking to some folks, understanding PTSD, the veterans and so forth, but how did you really go from being an addict to being free from that and being such a servant and not about just you and your pain, but others. Only by the grace of God. That's all I can tell you. I can't give you a... a, Not a date that you signed up for this? uh, Yeah, it's not a a thing (laughs) Uh that you could say, well, this, this, and this adds up to this. It's just by the grace of God. And he gave me these uh, pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say probably five years after I had started riding with those veterans... I went to a family reunion in Kentucky, and see, I didn't understand a lot of it because at that time, I didn't know that my dad was a prisoner of war. Yeah. Just so happened that this family reunion that me and my daughter went to, mm-hmm. one of my dad's friends that he served with, he is the one that told me all this about the 
POW and how he had gotten beat up so bad in the POW camp. Well, all these pieces that those veterans gave me, talking about the war, the prisoner of war, and everything else, it just all came together. And it's like, uh, and well, it wasn't like it was a, it was a load lifted off my back that uh, I don't think I could have carried. Forever. Frank, have you been able to forgive your dad? Yes, I mean, uh, I got I hate to say it, but there was just a lot of anger and hatred towards him for so many years. But now all I have is is love and respect because he was a courageous man. He. Uh, Ended up with three bronze stars during his service times. He served honorably for 30 years. It's just this one thing that was caused by this traumatic incident in this POW camp that caused the issues. Well, how could I not forgive him? God gave me everything I needed to know mm-hmm. to forgive him. What would it be like today if you would not have forgiven your dad? I can't imagine. Uh, if uh, I would even be here today, because it would have kept me going down a, a different road, and it's, it's a road that God took me off of. He didn't want me on that road anymore. And if you believe in what God says, Jesus tells you you have to forgive others if you want the Father to forgive you. You know, Frank, a a number of years ago, I was sitting down with a uh, person who was a director of mental health services in a very large mental health institution. And he uh, said to me that he didn't think mental illness was really the culprit with a lot of people who were in institutions. He said he thought it was sadness, that a lot of people um, manifest different uh, reactions to just being very sad in their life. What do you think about that? I, uh, <clears throat> I'd only add that sadness and, and, and no hope. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you just have to have hope. And then that's why, like I said, uh, that I know, and I, I have no question about it, that it was God because he went me down several paths mm-hmm. and uh, to give me the answer to something that, there's no way I could have ever understood what happened to my dad just talking to some person off the street. You are going to uh, be invited to the mission one of these days when uh, we can have some folks back in for our chapel services to talk to the folks. So you're going to walk into a room that's going to have some people in there who um, really um, are staying at the mission, who um, many have lost hope. Uh, many have um, made some very poor choices. Maybe people would argue with that. Maybe they're not poor choices. It's just how they've taken care of their pain. What can you say to them in regards to you have to have hope? What Hope in what? Just uh, believe that God will take care of you. Because if you don't have a light, as they said, at that end of the tunnel, something to, to work towards. If you're in the darkness and you can't see anything but darkness— then I just want to be able to tell them that you can make it to the end of the tunnel, and there is hope, and that hope is in Jesus. I mean, he's the one that gives us hope. Like I said, and I can 
talk to these people, and, and I think a lot of people get upset because people thought, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know what you're going through. Well, I do know what they're going through. Yeah, you do. I've been there. Yeah, you do. And done that, and it's a, a different circumstances, believe me. But it's uh, it was still trauma. But if it wasn't for Jesus and God carrying me as many times as they did, I wouldn't be here. And see, he, st- he was talking to me again because actually testifying at the mission is something that God put on my heart. I actually quite a bit of before we came over with the check. So see, that's another step that God put me on. So you're looking for God now. Uh, you're looking for him. Yep. He's in my heart. In your heart. You know, it's uh, somebody's listening right now um, or will be because uh, these are perpetually out there forever, but it's going to be a right timing. And they're going to um, hear what you have to say. Frank, and this is going to minister to them. Um, this is going to possibly help them to make a decision differently, better than they would have otherwise, maybe choose not to end it. How does that make you feel? Uh, that's exactly what God put me here for. This is something that I have been uh, testifying to for almost 30 years. I started one the veterans, and uh, just continue to do it. That's why, uh, if you notice, I wore my vest today. I'm in my pickup. Well, why do you wear your vest? Because the people see the patches on the back, the run for the wall, they know I support the veterans. That will bring people up and say, hey, kind of cool. And it gives me an opportunity to witness mm-hmm. to them. And it's happened many, many times. And I, I know that, that God speaks to me because it was just probably a couple months ago that I had a dream. And you know what it was? I was testifying to people about the grace, the glory of God, and what he had done for me so I could help others. You're an inspiration, Frank. Um, I just um, The years that you were in hell, um, you didn't quit. And you kept moving forward, and and uh, God put people in your life to bring you here today. This is your birthday, and uh, you know how. And thank you uh, for spending this time with us. Sixty-four. <laughs> I'm sixty-four. <laughs> and oh. Congratulations! And I was in kindergarten when Frank was in high school. Um, Frank, you know, I think it was Winston Churchill said something to the British troops uh, during World War II: "When you're going through hell, don't stop there." Yeah, bad place. Bad place to stop. Hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, hot, bad. Us big boys don't like that heat. <laughs> no, we, we don't. We like the air conditioning. But, you know, you went through hell and you didn't stop. And, and God, uh, with his grace, brought people into your life. And now you yes. are there for people in the midst of their hell. And, um, and, I'm uh, trying. Yes. Yeah, and you are. You are. You're a loving man. You are generous. You are. Um, I'm, I'm honored to call you my friend. And uh, it's been uh, just a great honor for 29 years now that you have been coming to the mission over, over and over every year, bringing your, your brotherhood over, getting on those bikes, which I promise I won't do. Uh, I won't get on them. They're pretty from a distance because uh, <laughs> I don't want to wreck them. But uh, thank you for what you do through ABATE. Thank you for what you do in other areas of your life. And just thank you for bringing hope to people who need hope today. Thank you, well, Frank. You know, it's, it's an honor to do what... God wants me to do. 
it's an honor to serve the veterans, to help them if I can. And uh, it's just great. And you're helping way beyond veterans, too. You've helped me today, as well as those who have listened. Thank you today, and thank you, Frank, and thank you for listening to our community, our mission. Um, there's some great people in our community. Frank Votaw is one of them. And uh, God's brought him through a lot, and he's here today to testify to Jesus Christ and, and just walking with him through the journey of hell um, in great loss, great disappointment, but yet today the promise of great victory. So if you are in need of hope, just remember you're not alone. There's guys out here like Frank Vota who have been there before you, and uh, someday you can be there for someone else. Thank you for listening to Our Community, Our Mission.